So the title of this podcast might suggest to you that I was gobsmacked by the Herculean efforts of an 11-year-old, now 15, who started a, pot, a nonprofit. She's won nearly every young entrepreneur award there is to get. There is clearly a fascination about what an 11-year-old is able to accomplish, and my guest has the national news media credentials to prove it. But today is not about age, and you'd be really short-sighted to simply sit on the sidelines and marvel. This is the story of a person who happened to be 11. It's the story about identifying a gap that would make a difference in the lives of hospitalized kids, like a legit difference. It's a story about a clarity of vision, about doing a particular thing very, very well. Definitely a story about the power of family. And it's a story that affirms my belief that a nonprofit is at its very best when it builds an army, when a nonprofit leader understands the need to build a village. So if this podcast is about age, it's actually about reminding us all that age is actually really not relevant at all. Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and an abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, the dear Abby of nonprofits, gets it, and she is here to help. This is a two-guest episode because the story of Kayla Abramowitz is not complete without her mom, Andrea Abramowitz. Kayla is the founder and chief kid officer of Kayla Cares for Kids. This is an organization that collects and donates educational entertainment items to children's hospitals around the country. Kayla Cares for Kids helps sick kids feel better one smile at a time. Kayla, my guest, came up with the idea at age 11 after noticing a limited DVD selection during many hospital visits due to her battles with Crohn's disease, eosinophilic colitis, and juvenile arthritis. Donated to nearly 450 children's hospitals and Ronald McDonald houses in all 50 states, Kayla oversees 11 ambassadors across nine states and hundreds of student volunteers locally, while also serving on her organization's board of directors. She is a superhero, and I believe she has or should have a cape. Andrea Abramowitz is more than just a proud mom, but she plays that role particularly well. Andrea is also Kayla's CEO. Andrea has more than 25 years of experience working in communications with tenures at ABC News, USA Today, and local television stations. She's worked on both staff and most recently as a freelance reporter for the Palm Beach Post, where she covers health, business, lifestyle, and even once sports. She also served as a stringer for the AP for the 2004 presidential election. Kayla is fortunate that her mom has had nonprofit experience, serving as the communications director at the Southeast region of the American Israel Chamber of Commerce, and she is a volunteer leader in the fight to cure arthritis. So one at a time, Kayla and Andrea, thank you so much for what you're doing and for taking time off on a Saturday afternoon to talk with me. Welcome. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm so excited for everything that's going to come from this and what I can help others by this as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Joan. We are honored to be a part of this. So I have so many questions. I'm exactly, I'm not exactly sure where to start, but I think we probably should start at the beginning. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sort of struck by this, Kayla. So from the conversation you and I had, lots of hospital visits, lots of long stays, 
um, bored to tears because the um, the amount of entertainment that was available to kids was really, really limited. Now, some people would just complain about that. <laughs> Actually, probably most people would. But you did something different. So, so tell my listeners, how did you go from, darn, I wish there was more stuff to watch, to a nonprofit organization? Well, it wasn't in, in an instant. It definitely took a lot of trials and errors and um, a lot of fun along the way too but how I very very first started was after I came home from a two-week-long hospital stay I was so bored out of my mind that I decided to bring in two Thomas the Train DVDs to Nicholas Children's Hospital in Miami because that's where I went very very often and they were so ecstatic to receive two DVDs that didn't even matter to me anymore. And it just kind of opened my eyes to how much more I could do. So the next step I took was printed out a flyer, um, basically reading, this is what I want to do. I want to collect 100 DVDs and donate them to a hospital. Please donate. And I told... Did the, when, you, when you set up the 100, did you think to yourself, that's like... That's crazy. I'd be crazy. If I could do that, I would like jump out of my skin. That's it seemed like a big number. Yeah, um, a hundred was like the, such a big number because I was in fifth grade and I had only learned my multiplication times tables to a hundred. So it was a big deal. And, um, <laughs> I told my mom and my dad, I want to collect a hundred. And they looked at me like I was crazy. A hundred really is such a big number. And I, since my parents didn't give me the support I was looking for at the time, I just took a wagon around my neighborhood. <laughs> I, we'll come back to that one, Andrea, okay? I have to disagree. <laughs> well, I believe Kayla has the floor, Andrea. <laughs> um, I, I, took my, I took the flyer unbeknownst to my parents, and I walked around the neighborhood and knocked on all the doors. And three days later... I had 300 DVDs in my living room. And then you thought you're on to something. Okay, Andre, you get to disagree here. Did, did, were you, did you think 100 was a big number? Initially, yes, I did think 100 was a big number. I was thinking, where in the world are we going to get 100 DVDs? But I like Kayla's idea of going around the neighborhood. Uh, we're always doing community-type activities, whether it's selling Girl Scout cookies or magazine subscriptions or Yankee candles. We're always going around the neighborhood supporting different organizations. And so when people started giving us bags of DVDs, I realized, wow, you know, I guess a lot of people like this idea. DVDs they don't watch anymore, and they know that it's going to go to a certain hospital close to where we are. It has meaning. And having had worked at the Palm Beach Post, I called up a friend of mine that writes stories for the local sections, and I told her what we were doing, and they thought that that was a great feature piece. And so they, they did a little article about Kayla and her desire to collect 100 DVDs. And that's when people started contacting us left and right that we didn't know. And we were driving to the parking lots of Target and Whole Foods. And my husband was panicking every time 
but we went there safely and met people and got boxes of DVDs. And really, I think it happened so quickly. Within a matter of months, we had 700 or 800 DVDs. Then you had to figure out what to do with them, right? <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> like, I, I mean, you can, I mean, you could just have kept collecting them forever, but the, the actual, the logistics of distribution, uh, that could have actually just stopped you in your tracks. You could have been, oh, gee, we bit off more than we can chew. Now we have to actually get these to these hospitals or Ronald McDonald houses. So who is the, where was the brain trust for figuring the answer out to that no. question? With my original plan of just having 100 items, I immediately thought I was just going to do it to Nicholas Children's Hospital. And once we got the big number of 300 in our living room, I really had to kind of think outside the box. And it was my mom and my dad's idea to plan some sort of event around the donation. So for our very first donation, we ended up giving our first 300 items to Nicholas Children's Hospital. And we had um, Miss Teen USA, um, a few girls from Miss Teen USA, do arts and craft projects with all the kids in the family center there. While they looked through the DVDs, we got some pictures, and my Girl Scout troop was involved. And um, that was the first time I could actually see the impact of me giving something to a kid and them having their face light up when they received the item. And so I knew I wanted to continue with it, but I knew I couldn't just keep giving to Nicholas Children's Hospital or they're just going to like begin to not need any DVDs anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew I had to give to other hospitals as well. And at the time, my youngest brother, Ethan, um, was misdiagnosed with leg perthes disease. And he has arthritis, but it wasn't known at the time. So he was going to the Shriners Hospital for treatment and support. And Shriners Hospitals are located all over the country. So we donated um, 500 items to 10 hospitals nationwide. So they each got 50 items. And so then we had already spread in only two donations. That's awesome. So... um the the expense so there's expense associated with this so you're you all of a sudden now you're sending boxes of dvds to 10 hospitals so now you have the first one was happening out of your living room and you probably were driving this stuff over to nicholas hospital but now you now you're actually incurring uh, in addition to you know the time value of your mom and dad's money at not time the time you know the value of their time but now you've got real expenses or did you did you start to fundraise um- We hadn't fundraised in the beginning because we didn't think that that was right, not being a 501c3. And so we footed the bill in the beginning. It was later when we officially became a 501c3 that we felt better about collecting people's money and telling them how we were going to use it. That's um, smart and generous. (laughs) The uh, <laughs> so now let's fast forward. You are coming up on your fifth anniversary. Now you thought it would be a grand slam home run if you got a hundred DVDs in your living room. Uh, what are the metrics? What are the metrics today? How many DVDs has Kayla Cares for Kids distributed to? How many places? We've donated fifteen thousand items uh, <laughs> to. 
all 50 states and Puerto Rico, and that is 453 medical facilities. Um, yeah, for those of you who are listening or trying to think, okay, how do I evaluate the impact of my programs? There was the perfect example. Number of DVDs, number of sites. That was in five years' time. Mm-hmm. The... Um, <clears throat> So at some point you decided, okay, this is more than something that we're going to do out of my living room. And um, you decided to become a 501c3. And I remember you talking to me last week about how powerful being a 501c3 actually is. Can you talk a little bit about that, Keila? Yeah. Um, in the beginning, when it was still an idea and we had already donated to a few hospitals, but it hadn't taken shape yet, we ended up going to something called the Weekend in Boca. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's basically... I don't know. It sounds like a really fun thing to do to me. (laughs) Well, yeah, we didn't spend the weekend there, but the event is called Weekend in Boca. Um, (laughs) Thanks for clarifying. But for anyone who doesn't know, it's basically a huge support group for nonprofits, and you get to listen to speakers and have see panels and... It's all run and supported by the Office Depot Foundation. Yeah, so um, what Kayla is saying, we became friends with Mary Wong, who leads the Office Depot Foundation. They've recently changed to become the Listen, Learn, Care Foundation, and they do have another event coming up. And it is geared towards nonprofits, and like Kayla said, they offer the best speakers to talk about storytelling, to talk about uh, how to thank your donors, all the sorts of wonderful things that you teach us, Joan. The, um, I want to make sure that we circle back after this podcast so you can we can include in our podcast, we um, add links at the bottom of things that will be helpful for and valuable for listeners and maybe maybe a link to how people can learn more about that would be really helpful. Definitely. Um, but sounds like it sounds like what happened there um, was that you began to to really understand the power of networking and building a a real village of support and information and education that helped you understand what to do with this thing you'd start. Oh yes, um, because there were people there that were just like us, which had an idea, but they didn't do anything really big with it yet and then there were other full-fledged nonprofits, and just seeing both ends of the spectrum and weighing our options was really impactful and i think was it the second time that we went that we met rob ropes yeah it was the second time i had gone and you were there with me yeah we knew that we needed the help of an attorney to help us with all that daunting paperwork and I said to Kayla, pretty much, the only thing that's holding me back from us becoming a 501c3 is the the legal paperwork. And at that event, we ended up meeting an attorney who specializes in nonprofits. And Kayla has this very charming way about herself. And um, she asked him if he would help us. And he said, yes, definitely. And he did. He took care of all the paperwork for us pro bono. So... That was it. We were sold. <laughs> it's um, it is a testament to. So there are two 
you know, I think that oftentimes people who with a great idea who start a nonprofit get so caught up in the doing that they don't realize how important it is to get out of the house and start to interact with people and build this kind of village of support. And I feel like that's one of the things I took away from our first conversation is how, how well you have done that. I, I, I'm going to assume, Andrea, that this is something by virtue of your professional expertise and your, also your nonprofit work, that you understood that <clears throat> this wasn't going to fly with you, and just you and Kayla and, and, <laughs> and, and your anxious husband um, collecting DVDs, that it had to be, there had to be more people involved. Absolutely. And all the people that have been involved, you know, we've had a couple people come and go because we've been doing this five years now, but everything, all the people that we've met have come organically. It's been very grassroots. It's been very predictable in growth and it's made it very manageable. I feel like grassroots is one of those words that people use and I want, uh, and don't aren't always clear about what it means. When you use gra the word grassroots, Andrea, what does that mean to you? Well, how everything has just happened very locally and has naturally spread beyond our neighborhood. Um, the way Kayla got the Girl Scouts involved and then her elementary school involved and everything kind of grew in levels. And then as we did more donations outside of our home state of Florida, we, we go to Children's Hospital Colorado periodically. So one time on a trip, we made a donation to them and there was a little bit of media coverage. So word start, started spreading in other states. And then as Kayla had more stories done about her and kids and parents were reading about what she was doing, they contacted us saying they wanted to get involved. So grassroots to me is we, we didn't pay for any kind of ad agency. We weren't paying for media coverage. Everything was happening natu in a natural progression. I think that's right. Uh, it feels that way to me as I hear your story. I want to there's something else, Kayla, that you talked about when we spoke at first that I really want our listeners to hear about. And perhaps it resonated for me. And maybe it's part of the fact that your that your mom has a, you know, a, a for-profit background. But you went to, if I have this right, that Chamber of Commerce has a young entrepreneurs academy. And as part of that effort, you had to write a business plan for this, this, you know, kind of cute idea you had to send 50 DVD, 100 DVDs to Nicholas Children's Hospital. And I want to, I would love for people, I, I, I do think that passion is such a driver that people don't often enough stop and say, okay, passion will only get me so far, but I've got to have a plan. I got to, ha I have to, I have to write down where I want to go, what my goals are, what the strategies are going to be to get there and what activities I'm going to have to engage in on the, to get me towards that destination. And I, um, there are far too many grownups that don't know how to write business plans. 
I came from corporate America and have written more than my fair share of them. And I think they've, they served me well when I was a nonprofit ED, but I'd love to hear your experience. Did you go there thinking, great, I need to write a business plan? Or did your mom say, you need to go to this thing and write a business plan? Um, how did that come to be? And what did you, what did you gain from that experience? Well, both me and my mom had no idea what a business plan was. We, I went into the EA program because I knew that we had no experience as a sustainable thing, as a sustainable organization. We just, we were just doing it out of passion. And um, I knew that we needed more substance to what we were doing, but... I had no idea what that was and how we were going to get there. So by chance, my mom walked into the Chamber of Commerce one day. I don't remember the reason. I was looking for a storage unit and a printing company to print business cards for us. <laughs> and they asked her, why do you need this stuff? And she explained that I had an idea, an organization, and they they kind of said, hey, we're trying to um, create this Young Entrepreneurs Academy. We've already had it for one year and it was successful. Would you like to would you like to come and try it out and see how it is? So my mom said yes, and I had no idea. And um, I was kind of just thrown into this business thing, and it was kind of what I was looking for as well. Because at that time, I was realizing I really needed to do something with Kayla Character Kids. And um, I didn't interview. What'd you learn? Oh, okay. I I learned so much from the Young Entrepreneurs Academy that I would have never learned anywhere else. I feel. Um, I I learned how to create that business plan. I learned about um, monthly projections and yearly goals, how to stay on target, budgeting. I learned about uh, expenses. I learned. I learned about so much business information that I would have never associated that a nonprofit needed to know. Because when I think of a nonprofit, I think of the dog shelter and just like petting some dogs and adopting them. But I never would think that they need to have business plan and they need to buy food for the animals and they need to um, have a study flow of volunteers. I never would think about that stuff. And that is what I learned in the Young Entrepreneurs Academy. And it has helped me go so far. I feel without learning any of those things, this nonprofit would have not even got to the nonprofit point and would have just slowly crumbled. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I'm reading, a, I have an upcoming podcast guest named uh, Kathleen Kelly Janus, who's written a book called Social Startup Success. And it does a lot of what you're describing here, Kayla, in terms of really making a nonprofit leader really think about not just, hey, I have a great idea. People are passionate about it. Maybe some people are helping me. Maybe some people are giving me money. But that really helps you think about, gee, you know, I started this thing. It has power. It has impact. And I don't want it to go away. Like, I don't want it to go away anytime soon. And it doesn't just magically sustain itself. That requires thought, strategy, um, and all the kind of structure that you're talking about. Yes. So we, are, um, we are talking with the dynamic Obramowitz duo. Ooh. Kayla Obramowitz, <laughs> the founder and chief kid officer of Kayla Cares for Kids, which you can find at 
Kayla, K-A-Y-L-A Cares, number four, kids.org. It's an organization that collects and donates educational entertainment items to children's hospitals nationwide. She is 15 years old, and the organization is coming up on its fifth anniversary, so you can do the math about when she started this organization. And Andrea Abramowitz is, in addition to being a wildly proud mom, as she should be, is also Kayla's CEO. She has tons of communications background, so she has both a for-profit and a lot of nonprofit experience as well. It's time to move on to this next section of the story, which is, okay, so you have a business plan. You've got a mom. You've got some Girl Scout volunteers. Maybe you've got some school things going on. You've got Shriners hospitals. Like it's starting to move. When did you have to say, oh, I think we need a board? What the, tell me about the origins of your board, who you selected to be on your board, what role, if any, did you, each of you play on the board? Let's start there, and then I definitely have more questions. Okay. Um, I don't think we ever really talked and said we need a board. Everything definitely was very grassroots, and the board starting was very grassroots as well. My mom and I were at um, what we call Kayla's Magical Starbucks because everything good happens there. Um, we were talking there, and this was before. We might have to put us Kayla. We're going to have to put a link to that to that address on, on my <laughs> blog because it, I'm 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 going to expect that they might start to do some magical business there. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, but. My mom and I, I was very thirsty after school one day, and my mom and I were just sitting in Starbucks talking about all the possibilities of Kayla Cares for Kids. We had a name by then, because my dad loves naming things, and it was really creative. And um, so we had, we were just talking about all the possibilities, and this guy named Joe, he hears us talking... (laughs) This guy didn't know, like somebody you met at the magical Starbucks? Yes. 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 Um, you know, you guys are actually, all right, I just have to stop you both. You guys are amazing. Here's why you're amazing. I wrote it down while one of you was talking earlier. So I do all these workshops for all these people, and I say, if you really want your organization to spread like wildfire, you have to be ambassadors. You have to talk to everybody about what you're doing. You have to ask everyone if they'll help you. Because your passion will be completely and utterly contagious. This is what I talk to boards about all the time. Like, get out there, talk about your organization, talk about your affiliation with it, invite people to know more, ask them to help you. And um, you have that coming, both of you have that, like, coming out of your pores. So now, can we go back to Joe at the Magical Starbucks? (laughs) Yeah, well, I have to interject. If people want... If people want donors and board members, they have to go to Kayla's Magical Starbucks. I can almost guarantee they will get it. If if their heart is open, they will receive it. There may be a whole new marketing thing. Andrea, maybe you and I should take this offline, but maybe there's a whole marketing thing we can can get into with Starbucks. Like meet your next board member at 
you know, and we create like a whole series of magical Starbucks around the country. <laughs> yes, people and are one, of Kay- one of Kayla's trips that she won by being the National Young Entrepreneur of the Year, uh, she got a trip to Bentonville, Arkansas, to meet executives of Sam's Club. And the former Sam's Club CEO, Roz Brewer, we had an opportunity to meet her and talk to her. And Kayla gave her a Kayla Cares for Kids t-shirt. And at the time, we were wanting her to join our board. Um, she's now with Starbucks, and we need to we need to get in touch with her. So, no yeah, kidding, so- no kidding. All right, so let's, let's get back to Kayla and and, and, and Joe at Starbucks. And I want to know, um, so I, you know, because. I want to know how you built the board. Yeah. So I got the story kind of wrong. So we might want to scratch that stuff. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you know, we, my listeners wouldn't know that you got the story wrong. I appreciate your, uh, I appreciate your honesty, but we're with All you. Right. There was one afternoon I was involved with Girl Scouts and we had kind of a good, re- we, we have a good relationship with Girl Scouts and one of the, um, she was a writer there, Steffi. Yeah, she was a writer, and she's a young, beautiful lady, and so she likes Starbucks. And Very talented graphic artist. Yes, and she had wrote a story about me, so she wanted to get together and meet, and she really liked what I was doing as well, so she said that on the side she does graphic art, and she could design us a logo. Because you were using Microsoft Clip Art. Yes, and we went to Starbucks to review her story, mm-hmm. and sh- she was showing us possible ideas of the logo, and she had a few different designs. We could talk about it. And we were talking with Steffi, and we got into a conversation about getting a, website. a website. Yeah, mm-hmm. getting a website. And we didn't know whether we wanted to use GoDaddy or any anything, even... I don't know, just any kind of website we wanted to make one. And two techie men happened to be at the table that we were sitting at. Opposite sides of the table. <laughs> and there was one man, and he said, don't use GoDaddy. It's the worst experience I've ever had in my life. And this man named Joe, like, stands up, and, like, the light <laughs> shines down on him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he says, no, GoDaddy is the way to go. And they kind of get at it in a very nerdy tech war. <laughs> and um, after the whole thing blows over and we're still talking with Steffi about ideas, Joe comes up to us and said, I was the guy who was talking about GoDaddy earlier and I would love to help you out. I can design you a website for free. And we didn't ask him at all about that. He kind of just appeared in our lap. And that was our first magical experience at the magical Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And and he created a beautiful website for us. It was later down the road we found out he happened to be the mayor's son. And he happened to be a founder now of Palm Beach Tech. He's a really great guy. So it was wonderful having him join us and do all of that. And then there was another occasion mm-hmm. when... Maybe Steffi, Joe, you and I were there, and along came Jennifer. And this is at Magical Starbucks, and Jennifer and her daughter Sophie saw these flyers, 
and they were interested in what we were talking about and doing. And she ended up getting involved. She has a great strategic background. She has a consulting firm. And so she ended up joining our board. <laughs> all of so this, this was, was thanks. So the, all of this, this was all thanks. This happened at the magical Starbucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you had Joe, Steffi. Uh, I'm, I'm losing track of the names, but you built Jennifer. your board at Star. Yeah, you built your board at Starbucks. Is we that what did. That is definitely okay. true. <laughs> so I want to ask you a question. And so, when you had a when you when you finally convened as a board, who was the board chair? Well, originally it was supposed to be my mom, and we've we've been making changes to improve our board. And so now my mom and I are board co-chairs. However, after listening to your podcast, we've really come to understand that CEOs and founders are not very fit to be board chairs. So we're discussing that with our board and we're going to make changes to improve our organization because of you. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the reason I think is that, uh, so just, um, I believe the compelling argument I try to make is that founders have a remarkable amount of influence for obvious reasons. And that in a 501c3, in a nonprofit, that in fact, at, at the end of the day, the buck actually stops with the board and the board chair. And so having some distance from the founder in that way provides the board with an opportunity to... Uh, stand on its own a bit. And I, I know that we have been talking and that this is a, this has been a challenge for you all as to how to, in fact, um, engage these wonderful people who are deeply devoted to what you're doing, but how to, how to get them motivated to engage with the organization in the ways that you would like. Um, um, I, I think I've got that right. Correct. Yes. Correct. And so is what's happening. Cause this is, I mean, you're just like this fabulous case study all across the uh, all across a variety of spectra here, but um, this board is is starting to change as the organization grows. So a person can join a board because he can build a fabulous website. Once the once certain things are done, then does the role shift? And are, are your board members clear about what that new role is? Yes. So we do have board descriptions. Uh, before I learned about you, I used board source quite a bit and blue avocado, and I provided materials to all the board members of what the expectations are. Um, I got it directly from board source and what the different positions are. Secretary, treasurer, we have one of each. Um, our treasurer is an accountant, she's a CPA. And the other people, it, it's very clearly written what we expect from our board members. And now it's now the, the job is how to get from that clarity of expectation to kind of getting them off the starting block and becoming those kind of ambassadors and champions we were just talking about. Exactly. And by the way, you are in the most excellent of company in this regard, that it is it is such a, it, it's, it's the big, it's one of the big challenges in the world of nonprofits is even when the roles are really clear, um, board members, um, how to get them sort of off the starting block is really, um, is really tough. And I think, 
um, <clears throat> it can be tougher in an organization that has a charismatic founder. That would be you, Kayla. <laughs> and I wonder, I wonder if you think, and, and uh, answer this, actually, you'll, of course you'll answer it honestly. Do you think you have too much influence and power? Do you think that that inspires the board to be more involved? Or do you think it can actually lead, lead others to sit back because they know that you and your mom are just going to kind of get it done? I feel that some of the board members do sit back in some senses because I'm exuding, like, at least I hope I'm exuding all this happiness and passion and all the good that's happening with our organization. We, I feel like sometimes I kind of just gloss over the problems so the board isn't as aware of them as I think they are because I'm just going, it's great, it's great, we've done this and this and this and we've done this. And also, we're having this problem. And then we did this and this and this. And um, I feel it's like what I call it, yeah, it's what I call nonprofit leader show and tell. Is that they think that their i they think that their job when they're in front of their board is to tell them how fantastic everything is. But sometimes, if you tell them how fantastic it is, they're like, "Great, everything's fantastic. I'm going to go back to my day job," as opposed to saying, "You know what?" At this board meeting, I would really like to talk about and get your point of view on this particular issue. Like we are trying to figure out how to scale up or we're trying to figure out, you know, how to keep the costs of X down or whatever it might be. And, um, I think, I think that nonprofit leaders, um, uh, keep the problems to themselves at their own peril. But I think, yeah. And, but I, you know, you are, you're a champion for the organization and you feel like that's what you're supposed to provide to them. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to give Kayla a reality check. And that is that when she gets up anywhere that she is, when she's in a room and she gets up and speaks, there's something magnetic about her and people are drawn towards her and they want to get involved. So she really inspires people more than she realizes. And I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, we were invited by a church down in the Boynton Beach area to be the recipient of their annual luncheon. Uh, every year, they choose a nonprofit to receive the proceeds. And they found out about Kayla Cares for Kids. They chose us. They gave Kayla an opportunity to speak there. Kayla spoke from her heart. And at the very end, she told everybody in the room exactly what our needs are, including if anyone's interested in joining our board, please come up and talk to me. And so now we have higher expectations for board members. It's not just someone who's a graphic artist or a tech guy, but we want people that have board experience that can can bring passion to the table that understand we don't have a paid staff that they're going to have to get their hands dirty um and we met with someone this morning from that luncheon and she is dynamite we are so excited we're going to have her attend our board meeting on monday and the group will will talk with her and you know it, they'll decide as a board, it'll be voted. We follow Robert's rules. We do everything by the book. So Kayla really inspires. I don't think that we chase people off 
and they think that we're going to get the job done because I'm begging people to help me. <laughs> yeah, I, when I think, but I, but I do, th- I believe that is one of the uh, secret recipes of a founder is uh, somebody like Kayla. I mean, you saw it at Magical Starbucks is that she inspires and all she has to do is add it with an ask. I need you too. Mm-hmm. Because, because people want to do things for charismatic leaders. They just do. Yes. And they, they want to please them. They want to feel like they're making a difference. And I believe that's, that's the, you know, that's kind of this, the secret card you need to play more often with your board as you move forward, I think, to be able to motivate them to do more for you. Great. Um, I have a couple, a couple of other questions and, and we're I'm, I'm about running out of time. So maybe we'll, we'll call them Lightning rounds. What what would you think, Kayla? How would you describe your biggest the biggest challenge Kayla cares for kids faces today? I think the biggest challenge of Kayla cares for kids is getting things done that we want to get done. We make so many goals. We say this is our projection of the year, and a lot of not a lot of things, but some things fall short. And I know that it's inevitable. I know that any organization has its ups and its downs, but I don't know. I think I'm so connected with this organization that when things just don't work out exactly as I want them to, it hurts me because I like the organization is like my baby and I see it getting dropped on its head. And <laughs> and um so my I have a wonderful board I have a wonderful mom a wonderful dad but sometimes all these wonderful things cancel each other out and Mm -hmm. yeah well people say yeah I think people say that they're going to do things and then don't follow through that's when it becomes (laughs) hard yeah, and that is that's the one that is the wonderful world of volunteers of a largely volunteer driven organization. So we are just about out of time, but I I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk about uh, media coverage. Andrea, you clearly had an advantage in terms of your background, but you don't need to have a Rolodex full of reporters in order to generate coverage for your nonprofit organization. Advice for people who are, might be listening about how to get their story told? Definitely. So I think they need to think in terms of what would the public be interested in learning or seeing with the event? And so if you're thinking in terms of a little television coverage, well, what kind of visuals are you going to have? Are you having animals? Are you having children? Are you having some well-known speaker? Is it going to be something that's that people are going to be interested in and writing a press release. And it doesn't have to be a a Hemingway, you know, just a simple press release and then contacting all the TV stations. You don't even have to know a single person at that station. If you just call up and talk to someone at the assignment desk and you tell them, hey, I'm from such and such organization, and we have a fabulous event happening this Sunday. We think you should be there. And they'll say, do you have a press release? You can email that to us and email the press release and follow up with another phone call. And 
you may or may not might may not get some coverage. And then same thing with the local newspapers. Um, if you happen to know who the local reporter is that covers the geography geographical area that you live in, or if it's education or science or sports related, whatever it is, reach out to that particular reporter. It's good to have connections. Well, and it also, I will also say it, it gathers moss mm-hmm. that you get one piece of news coverage and it leads to others. And that's just kind of the way that it rolls. Last question goes to Kayla. Five years from now, uh, is it Kayla Cares for Kids? Is it called something else? Are you still are, are you still the voice and face of this organization? Is that key to your own personal goals and interests? Is it best for the sustainability of the organization? I just, you know, if I'm still doing podcasts five years from now, what would we be what <laughs> what will we be talking about? Um. I really hope that in five years, I am able to still be a part of this organization. As I said earlier, it's like my baby and just watching it grow up and take its first steps and see all the smiles it brings to other people really warms my heart. And with all of my medical issues that I'm going through, being able to do something like this makes me feel better mentally which leads to me feeling better physically. And so I really hope that I'm still a part of this and I'm able to still be doing something that I love and doing something that others love and being able to just be a part of something really impactful. Do you know that, um, that when people give, like you've been for the last five years and your mom's been giving and your whole family really, um, that it, that it scientifically releases dopamine in your brain, which is the, the neurotransmitter that evokes pleasure. Um, and people who raise money and who try to engage people, they don't understand that when you do this, it actually physically creates a, a sense of pleasure and there's all kinds of studies, but you probably know better than I do, about all kinds of studies about people with chronic illness and how, um, how pleasure and giving and thinking about others can actually improve um, outcomes for people with chronic illnesses. So um, it's just a remarkable thing to hear your story and, and know that it's actually helping so many others, but also helping you as well. And um, and I, I just so I just wanted to say thank you to both of you, and I also just wanted to say thank you, Kayla, and that I know that everybody listening to this story wishes you only the best of health, and that um, uh, I, my, this podcast is just going to need to stay in touch with you because following the journey is um, um, really interesting, and um, uh, you really are you really you have so much to share with people, and I really thank you for sharing it with my listeners today. To both of you, thank you. Thank you so much, Joan. <laughs> thank you a lot. And I yeah. hope that all the listeners know it doesn't matter what you age you are. You could be 93, you could be 8. As long as you have something that you care about and are willing to work hard for, you can do it. And I am a prime example. <laughs>
You are indeed. You are indeed. Um, as I, I made that promise at the very beginning, this is not a podcast about age. It's only a podcast about the fact that age actually is not relevant to having a good idea that makes a difference. So um, with that, I just want to close by saying um, <clears throat> that this podcast is one of many that I have done over the course of the last two years on a variety of subjects. So you can go to iTunes and find a topic that works. Subscribe to my weekly email blast at joangary.com. It's with two R's. And uh, Kayla, uh, actually Andrea, is a member of um, one of my newest adventures called the Nonprofit Leadership Lab, which is a, um, an online membership uh, community and online membership site with content and community for board and staff leaders of small nonprofits. It is valuable and as, uh, it's one of the most rewarding things I think I have had the pleasure of um, creating for people who, for whom consultants and coaches are simply cost prohibitive. So um, with that said, I will leave you until next time. And as always, thank you so much for everything that you are doing um, to fix this uh, sometimes seemingly brokenhearted world we live in. We'll see you next time. Nonprofits are Messy is a service of Joan Gary Consulting. Widely known as the Nonprofit Dear Abby, Joan's leadership blog reaches over 40,000 unique visitors monthly from over 150 countries. Subscribe at www.joangary.com.